0: Hi, uh, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Thank you so much for uh, being here and for braving the uh, the weather. Hope it's, hope it's a little nice and warm and toasty in here for you. Feels a little better than it does outside. It's good to see you. And good morning to everyone who's tuning in on Facebook and on YouTube. Uh, I just want to start by apologizing for the fact that you're not going to be able to see our uh, our, our screen. I mean, you'll be able to see it here, but you won't see it online. It was working perfectly yesterday morning. I don't know what happened. I think, you know, grew from despicable me. I think he dispatched some of his minions into our, uh, camera system there. And they're just having fun with us. They're just teasing me. And, uh, but I forgive you, grew. I do. Uh, let's stand together. Everybody. We're going to worship no matter what. Right. And, uh, <coughs> All right. So this is Amazing Grace. Here we go, church.
1: Who breaks the power of sin and darkness, whose love is mighty. And so much stronger, the King of glory, the King of all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder, and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder, the King of glory, the King of all kings. This is this is amazing grace, this is unfailing love, that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross, you laid down your life, oh yes you did. You've done for me
0: all that you've done for me and who brings
1: who brings who our the chaos back into order who makes me your friend, a son and daughter, the king of glory, the king of glory, who will for nations. That's who he is. And this is amazing. Worthy. worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Lord, you are worthy. worthy the, king the We sing worthy. worthy the Lamb who Lord, you are worthy. worthy the king who conquered the grave this, this, is, amazing amazing grace. Grace. this, this is amazing grace, grace. this is my daily love oh yes it is that you would take my place that you would take my place that you would bear my cross you lay down free. Oh, Jesus, I think for all that you've done for me. The God who fights for me, Lord of to me, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. You have torn apart this sea. You have led me through the deep, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Oh, oh. Lord, God, invites for me for of every victory. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! You have your heart to apart the see You
0: have led me through the deep. Hallelujah! 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 And I won't forget. Don't oh,
1: forget the wonder of how you've gone. Liberate the exodus of my heart. New body, new freedom, held back the waters of my relief. Oh, Yahweh, you're the God who fights for me. Above every victory
2: Hallelujah.
1: hallelujah! Hallelujah! You have fallen apart the sea, you have led me through the deep hallelujah! Hallelujah!
0: Five by day? Five by day, day
1: It's a sign that you are with me. The Five by night. It's a God who lies in life, my feet You found me, you freed me Healed back the waters of my relief Oh, yeah! are on You're the God You're the God who fights for me Over every victory Hallelujah Hallelujah You have led me to the deep, hallelujah, Hallelujah, Once again, you're the God. You're the God who fights for me, Lord of every victory, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You have drawn apart the sea, you have led me to the deep, hallelujah. Into. You stepped into my Egypt You took me by the hand You marched me out in freedom Into the promised land Now I will not forget you, God I'll sing of all you've done Get this swallowed up forever By the glory of your love You are You're the God who fights for me for every victory, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. You have shown us what You have led me through the deep, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Once you again, You're the God. You're the God who fights for me. For every victory, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Amen.
0: all right love that song you know most of us are familiar with psalm twenty three we've probably heard it uh numerous times at funerals and memorial service. I know Gary's preached on it before as well. It only has six verses, but the verse that I want to highlight this morning is the sixth and final verse of the psalm. And it says, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely Your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. The promise of God's presence, the promise of his goodness and his love following us and surrounding us all the time. I think that's pretty cool. And as we go through our Egypts, and we will, and it feels like we are surrounded by rising floodwaters. You and me, we're surrounded by him. We're surrounded by him. And that's a promise that you can take to the bank. One,
1: two.
0: This is how I fight my battles.
1: This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I find my body. Once again This is how I find my And it may look It may look like I'm surrounded But I'm surrounded by you It may look like I'm surrounded But I'm surrounded by you Yes, we are. It may look like
0: I'm surrounded, I'm surrounded,
1: by You. Surrounded by him. This is how. I fight my battle This is how I fight my battle this, this, this is how I fight my One more time. This is how my battle. And it may look, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. This is fight This is how I fight my battles. This is how fight my battles. This is fight my This is how I fight my battles. my It may look like it may it look like I'm through. But I'm surrounded by you. It like hoster, I'm surrounded, but i surrounded by you. Like hoster, surrounded by you. i like but by you. you. how I fight my how I fight my my battle. my battle. It's a teleport. my battle. It's a, it's a, it's a, my, battle. It's a my battle. It, it may I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. If it me look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like, like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how, this is how I find my battles.
0: This is how I find my battles. Last time. Amen. We are surrounded by Him. We can stand firm on that promise. I'd like to invite Pastor Gary up right now. I'd like to. I ask y'all to have a seat for a moment. He's going to lead us in some special time of prayer today.
2: Take that, please. Thank you. Take that. Thank you. All right. Hey, good morning, everybody. Really good to see you guys. Thank you for braving the rain. Uh, you guys are awesome. How many of you had to swim here? Okay, a couple. Anybody had to take a canoe? Okay, a couple more. Uh, you know, it reminds me a few years ago we had a flood and one of our neighbors was actually, he was like paddling a kayak around our block. And, uh, our water hasn't gotten quite that deep this year, but it's, it, we've, we've had a couple little rivers flowing through our street, uh, so far. Uh, you know, uh, while we were listening to that song, I love that song. It's a a great song. This is how I fight my battles. And we fight our battles on our knees in prayer. And we fight our battles with worship and praise. And as we were singing the song, I, I began to think about a sermon I listened to earlier this week. And uh, how many of you guys know who Tony Evans is? Any of y'all know who Tony Evans is? He is a fantastic pastor. Uh, Tony Evans pastors, I think it's Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship, if I remember correctly. Is that right? Yeah, it's uh, one of the largest churches in the Dallas-Fort Worth metroplex. And uh, Tony is just an awesome guy. He really is. And some of you may know his daughter, Priscilla Schreier. She's been in a couple of movies. She's a Bible teacher as well. Really solid. And... Um, but I was listening to this sermon from him on uh, Second Chronicles chapter 20, and uh, he had preached this sermon back during COVID, and uh, it's so funny to watch people who preach into a camera who are accustomed to preaching to people, because most pastors really love people, they do, and it's always more awkward when we have to preach into a camera. Love you guys out there, okay, YouTube, Facebook, love you guys, uh, but it is a little more a little more challenging to do that, but but it was really cool. Is uh, I'm not saying he was awkward preaching into the camera. He was awesome. I'm awkward. Anyway, he uh, as he was preaching through Second Chronicles 20, and he was talking about COVID, and he was talking about crisis, and all of us go through times of crisis. And he was talking about how we fight our battles, and in what he was talking about is fighting our battles in worship. And it was really cool. And he, what he did is he went to Second Chronicles chapter twenty. I'm not going to read you the whole chapter, uh, but I just want to read to you a couple of things from it. It was really cool. Uh, it says uh, after this, it, the the king at this time in Judah was a guy named Jehoshaphat. He was a really really good king. Okay, he was a good guy. Didn't always make great choices. Uh, hung out with Ahab for a little bit. Almost got him killed. But he was a good godly king. He really was. And so the the Bible tells us that the Moabites, the Ammonites, some of the Munites uh, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. And so uh, Jehoshaphat is afraid. He's afraid because they are outnumbered. The people of Judah are outnumbered by this horde of people who are coming against them. And ancient warfare was pretty gruesome and it wasn't something you fought way over there on the other side of the world while your family and all was protected back here is that if you lost the battle your family you it wasn't good you know it, best case scenario they were made slaves okay and and so it was not a good thing and so the people are afraid and it's it's really cool it, it what the bible says is that that he brought all the people together and it says that you know Jehoshaphat he bowed down with his face to the ground all the people of Judah Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord 2 Chronicles 20:18 how many of you would think of having a worship service as a way of fighting a war a real physical face to face hand to hand combat swords spears you know, slingshots, killing people with stones, war, and what they do is they get on their faces and they worship God. That's not a good. When you are being approached by someone who's trying to kill you, you don't want to be laying on your face on the ground, okay? You want to? I at least I don't. You know, I always said I never wanted to be a chaplain because if I went into battle, I'd rather have a, you know, I'd rather have a, an assault rifle in my my hands than a Bible, okay? Uh, I probably shouldn't say that, but you know, it's like they are on their faces before God. And um, and they give thanks to God because his love endures forever. In verse 22, Second Chronicles chapter 20, the Bible says this. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab, Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. Isn't that cool? They won the battle without firing a shot. Of course, they didn't have guns back then. Without firing an arrow, okay? They won A battle by letting God fight their battle for them. They won a battle by worshiping God. And and worship is holy, and it is how we fight our battles. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in just a few minutes. Right now, what I want to do is I want to pray for you. So two things here. I want to pray for you. I think I've told you this the last two weeks. Uh, Actually, the last three weeks, because today is the 15th. Uh, but what I did is, and a lot of you have already done this, I have some 3x5 cards at the table, uh, by the door, when you walk in and when you walk out. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you by name, and I want to pray for you by need. And I want to know what you want me to pray for you about in 2023. And so a lot of you have already done this. I am praying for you. I am praying for you, the very things that you put on your cards. Okay, And I'm also praying something else for you, and I've been doing this this month. Uh, because uh, one of the people in our church asked me to pray this passage uh, for their family. And so I've been praying this for them, And but I decided, you know what? I'm not going to stop with their family. I'm going to pray this for the entire church. And so let me read the scripture to you, and then I'm going to pray this for you. Is that okay? But this is how I'm praying for you. You know, this is how, uh, you know, in the mornings, this is part of what I'm praying for you about. And I think praying scripture is a great way to pray. What the Bible says is this. And, and Paul is writing to a group of Christians in a place called Colossae. And he's writing to them. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 9 uh, through, well, wherever, he, he says this. He says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. You hear that? He has been praying unceasingly for the the Christians in Colossae. He didn't just pray for them once and say, I prayed for you. He has been praying for them ever since he heard about them. He says, we have not stopped praying for you for we continually ask God. You hear that? I haven't stopped praying for you. And I'm continually asking God. I haven't stopped praying for you. I have not stopped praying for you, church. I have not stopped praying praying for you. And I am continually asking God that He would fill you. Fill you with the knowledge of His will. See, God wants you to know His will. And I am praying that God will fill you with the knowledge of His will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, gives So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. That's what God wants for us. He doesn't want us just to attend church and read a verse here and there. He wants us to live lives worthy of Him. And so I'm praying that you will live lives worthy of the Lord, pleasing Him, pleasing God in every way. Every way. Bearing fruit. I am praying that you will bear fruit in every good work. Growing in the knowledge of God. I'm praying that you will be strengthened with all power. That you may have great endurance and patience. By the way, I'm not praying that your life will be easy. But I am praying that you will have great patience and great endurance. And sometimes I do pray for things to be easier. Uh, I am praying that you will joyfully give thanks to the Father... Who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light? For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and from uh, the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Let me pray first right now. Okay. God, you are great, you are awesome, you are good. You are holy, holy, holy. You are the Lord God Almighty. God, you are the one who created the heavens and the earth by just your spoken word. Lord, nothing is too difficult for you. God, you are a righteous God. And you are also a loving and gracious God. And Lord, you deserve all of our worship. Lord, today, I want to pray for your people one more time. Uh, I want to pray, God, I want to pray that you would fill us with the knowledge of your will through all wisdom and understanding the Spirit gives. God, I pray that you would help us to live lives worthy of you, pleasing you in every way. God, help us to bear fruit in every good work. Help us to grow in the knowledge of You every day. God, help us today to grow in our knowledge of You as we look at Your Word together. God, I pray that You would strengthen us with all power. Not just a little power, but with all power according to Your glorious might. Because, God, You are glorious and You are strong. God, I pray that You would give us great endurance and patience with whatever we're facing today or whatever we're going to face this week. God, I pray that we will be a people who joyfully give thanks to you because you have qualified us to share in the inheritance of your holy people in the kingdom of light. God, I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. So, quick reminder, if you've not yet filled out a card, I need your name on it, so I know I'm praying for you, because I want to pray by name and by need. But whatever you want me to be praying for you, uh, we're going to take a moment. We're going to greet each other right now. But before you do that, uh, if you want to pick up a card, it's back to that back table. And then right back here at the sound booth, there's a little center, uh, round table right in the middle. And I have some notes for today's message, and if you didn't already get notes, you can get notes and fill those out as we go through the Scriptures together this morning. So let's take a moment, uh, greet each other, tell tell each other who you're going to root for in the Super Bowl and grab notes or whatever you need.
0: Folks, let's make our way back to our seats. We've got one more song to do together before Pastor Gary comes up to continue the Purpose Driven Life series. It's been a little while since we've done this one, but um, boy, I think it's perfect for what we're talking about today. Mm A few months back, uh, Chris Tomlin, who helped write the song, performed it on the Kelly Clarkson show, which was pretty cool. Good to see the gospel getting out there on the airwaves like that. This is Holy Forever. One, two, three. A thousand
1: generations, falling down in worship, sing the song of ages to the land. God before us None who will believe The same of not greatest to the man And your name Your name is the highest Your name is the greatest Your name stands above Lord Lord God Saw past and your name. Stands above of and the angels cry. Holy, of the Christ, Holy, you are living. you are. have been forgiven. If you've been redeemed, the song forever, forever to the land. If you walk in freedom, if you bear sing the song forever to the will sing sing the song forever and amen. And the angels Decision. Your name stands above them all. Once again, your name is the highest. Your name is the highest. Your name is the greatest. Your name, the greatest. Your name stands above them all. And all And the angels cry. And the angels cry. Holy, oh, oh, all creation cries. Holy, oh, oh, we, we were lifted up. People sing, holy in the king of peace Holy, you will always be. Holy, holy he will always be. You will
0: always be. Again, you'll always be.
1: You will always be holy, holy forever.
0: Let's pray, church. God, you are holy and you are worthy of our worship. And Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see as Gary preaches your word today. Help us to make worshiping you the priority in our lives. Help us to love you well and love others well for everything else flows from that. You are so worthy of our worship, God. And we love you and pray this in Christ's name. Amen.
2: Thank you, sir. All right. So, (laughs) Real quick, this has nothing to do with the message, but just, uh, I don't know about you guys, I've really actually had a very good weekend. I I, um, um, I actually drove over to Elk Grove on Thursday, I know that's not the weekend, but I actually drove over and had lunch with my son, which is awesome, Uh, it was just awesome to be able to hang out with him a little bit, and just love how God is working in his life, and just being able to spend a little time with him there. And, uh, and then on Friday night we went over and we helped out, you know, our daughter Cass and her husband Sean. Sean is pastoring, uh, a, a church, uh, called The Way Ministries there and, uh, and they're, they were doing kind of an outreach event through like a potluck and it was kind of fun. Uh, just hanging out with them. Caleb came over as well, so we got to just be with them and hang out and do that together. And then, uh, and then, uh, yesterday, uh, Joe Benz and I, we went over to, uh, we went to Harry Price's funeral. You know, our, our mayor for many, many years, Harry Price, uh, passed away recently back in December. And I didn't realize that he was 85 years old. And because he got around so well, I mean, we'd seen walk. We live like three doors down. Uh, so we've known Harry and Bessie for a long time. And uh, Harry's been very invested in our community for years. I mean, he's had tremendous impact on young people, teenagers as a high school teacher, uh, abandoned high school and uh, very, uh very, very involved in his church. Uh, and, uh you know, and then involved with other churches in our community as well. And but the whole, uh, you know, for me, what was really special is I felt like they really honored Harry well. But what I heard and what I saw in every part of the service and oftentimes with public officials, they don't do this very well. I'll just be honest with you. I'm sorry. I, I because I do a lot of funerals. I bring a context to how funerals need to be done, how they should be done. And sometimes with public officials, I kind of feel like it feels a little bit like a political gathering sometimes. Yesterday's uh, yesterday's funeral was nothing like that. Uh, it was nothing like that. In fact, I heard the gospel. I heard the gospel sprinkled all throughout the the funeral, with almost every person who shared. Uh, Clay Lee, Jr., who pastors Mount Calvary Baptist Church, uh, did an awesome job. Uh, Ann Choi, uh, who uh, his pastor. Uh, um, uh, Harry's pastor, she did an awesome job. Uh, the, uh, the his Harry's son is a solid guy. It's like I was listening to him. I was hearing him talk about his faith in Jesus, his father's faith in Jesus, and how it shaped their lives and how it shaped their families for multiple generations. And it was pretty awesome. So I heard it from his son, Mark. I heard it from his daughter. I heard it from all three of his grandsons. And I thought, wow, this is like super cool. And so I felt like they honored the man, not the politician. Does that make sense? And, uh, but it was just, and they honored his faith in Jesus, which I thought was pretty awesome too. But it was a great experience. But then immediately afterwards, Katie came over, uh, and while, um, uh, while the, uh, Acords were watching the game, uh, in Santa Clara, uh, in the rain, did y'all get rained on? Oh, okay, they had a little overhang over them. That was fantastic. Uh But we, I'd actually taped the game because I knew it was going to be during the, the funeral. And we had dinner together and we watched uh, the game together. It was, well, it was a fun game for some of us and for some of us who root for Seattle, I guess it wasn't as fun. Uh But, you know, anyway. Uh I I was rooting for the Niners because Dre Greenlaw is an Arkansas Razorback, okay? And uh I always root for the Razorbacks. So so the Razorbacks won yesterday. They're going they're going to the next game. And I loved watching uh Brock Purdy uh who has stepped in as the third quarterback this year, and he's doing an awesome job. He really is. Anyway, that's totally unimportant, insignificant. Uh, we got to talk about what's really important. We are doing a series called 40 Days of Purpose, and we're looking at what the Bible teaches us about our purpose in life. So you were created by God. You were called by God. The Bible says you were chosen by God. The Bible even says you were predestined by God. And you were called and chosen and created and predestined. All of this, and if you have questions about that, just listen to last week's sermon, okay? It's there, and it's in the scriptures, but you were created by God for a purpose. Your life, and in the only way that you will experience real fulfillment and significance in life is in Uh, really leaning into God's purpose for you. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to look at that first aspect of God's worship. And according to the Bible, the primary purpose of our lives is to worship God above all things. It's to worship God above all things. That is God's primary purpose for you and me. When we get our worship right, when we get our worship right, And when we get God right, a lot of the problems of this world begin to dissipate. That that, that when people, when I worship God above all things, my life takes a new shape, a good shape. By the way, you know, I can sometimes struggle with anxiety. I have at times struggled with depression in my life, just telling you, just trying to be, you know, I'm one. I'm just like the rest of us. I know I'm a pastor, and I know people tend to have higher expectations, and that's okay. It's okay to have higher expectations, but it's also okay to be realistic and understand that I'm a human being. You cut me, I bleed, okay? You hurt me, I cry, all right? I mean, I am a real person with real emotions, real feelings, real temptations. And what I have found is that when I am worshiping God and when I am listing the things that I am grateful for, when, when, when I'm facing maybe a financial challenge and I remember again and again and again about how God has proven his faithfulness, it's like, all of a sudden, the anxiety begins to dissipate. And I begin this, to experience more of God's uh, peace and stuff. You know, we, we uh, every week, Matt and I, we meet on Wednesday afternoons at 1.30. We meet other times in the week as well. But we meet on Wednesdays, every Wednesday at 1.30. And the reason that we meet is we meet to talk about last week's service. So we talk about the message. You know, was it true to Scripture? Was it clear? Uh, did I show how it's relevant in everyday life? Was it, was it engaging? And we look at the message and we look at worship, but we never look at worship as a performance. What you saw today was not a performance for you. Worship is not a service that you attend. Did you know that? I know some of us, we think the service is a worship we attend. No, 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 no. No. You come here not to attend a service. You come here to do a service. See, you come here not to attend. You come here not to receive. You come here to do, to serve. See, that's what worship is. It is a service we give to God. By the way, that word serve is used over and over again to mean worship. To worship is to serve. To serve is to worship. And we were created for this purpose. And so, uh, I'm sorry. We we have this meeting 1:30 on Wednesday afternoons. Did I say that? Yeah, I did. Okay, all right. To make sure. Um, so I have a, a I have a little I have a little prompt sheet for me when we meet. And close to the top of the page, actually, before we look at anything about last week's service or the upcoming week's service or weeks ahead, I have 14 reasons why I need to worship God. 14 reasons. Why I need to worship God, because I need to be reminded. And I have 14 reasons why you need to worship God. Someday I'll share the 14 with you, not now, okay? But 14 different reasons, and, and I do this because I need to be reminded. And here's the thing. Anybody ever feel rushed in life? Has anybody had that experience before? Anybody ever felt like you were in a hurry in life? No? Okay. A couple of us. A lot of us have felt hurried, a lot of us have felt, if you've ever felt the push and pull of life, just get on the metro in Budapest Hungary. I don't know what your experience was when you guys were there, but I know when I was in Budapest, you got pushed, you got pulled, you got stretched every different direction with people. But in life, sometimes it feels like it's filled with push and pull, and it, it, it is, and sometimes it is loud. It is loud. And it's, crucial that every week, every week, that we spend time with the people of God in unrushed worship. Okay, do you know what rushed worship looks like? Can I show you what rushed worship looks like? It looks like this. That's what rushed worship looks like. What we need is we need unrushed time in the presence of God. Where we slow down. We're not thinking about what's coming after church. We're thinking about who we've gathered here to worship. To exalt Him above all things. Uh, That we need to take time. I'll be honest with you. I think we need time every day. I do. I believe we need time every day in the presence of God. Unrushed time. Unrushed. Not just as a little to-do on your to-do list and you get to check it off. If you ever put your time with God on a to-do list, I would encourage you, never check it off as a to-do. Just don't do that. It is not a to-do to check off. It is a joy and a privilege to spend time in the presence of God, worshiping Him, and in prayer. Um Today, what I want to do is, is, I listened this last week to several sermons on worship. And um, what, what we're doing is, I, I, I talked about, we're talking about 40 Days of Purpose. And if you're new to this, we're, we're encouraging everybody to read this book that was written a few years ago. It was written by this guy named Rick Warren. It's called The purpose Driven Life. It's pretty good books got daily readings and so what we're doing is we're reading those daily readings together and then what we do is we come here and we hear what God's word says to us about these things and then what we do is we gather in groups and discuss those things and if you're not in a group yet I would like to encourage you to join one we got a men's group tomorrow night we got a women's group today we got a women's group tomorrow night we got uh, two other co-ed groups that are meeting on Tuesday Thursday let me leave one out Anyway, we got these groups, I'd like to encourage you to join one, because I think when we're all doing the same thing together, we're going to grow together. But this last week, I listened to several different sermons on the subject of worship, and I listened to the one by Tony Evans that I mentioned earlier. I listened to one on Louis Giglio on First Kings 18. Uh, he is the pastor of Passion City Church in Atlanta. I have never heard Louis Giglio preach a bad sermon. The guy is awesome, he really is. Uh, I'm going to look at the same text that Louis Giglio looked at. I'm not going to preach the way Louis preaches because I'm not as good as Louis, okay? I'm not. Uh, but. But I want to preach on the same text. But I listened to another message that was also very, very good by Rick Warren on the same subject. You can listen to that online if you want to. But what I want to do is I really want to drill down on a, 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 a passage of Scripture in 1 Kings chapter 18. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to tell you the story. We're going to look at a couple of verses in a little bit more detail. But what I want you to see is I want you to see, to see, ultimately I want you to see what God has to say to us about worship. Okay? And, and, and so what happened in 1 Kings uh, chapter 18, what that, let's not get to those verses yet, okay? This is going to be later in the, the message. 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 1, uh, it says this, it says, and if you have your Bible, you want to open up to it, great. Uh, but what it says is after a long time, um, and actually it had been about three years of drought in Israel. And the reason that Israel was in drought is because the people had abandoned the worship of the one true God, the Lord God of Israel. They had abandoned God. And they had abandoned the worship of God. And, and, uh, and because of this, God sent a drought in response to the prayers of a man named Elijah. And so God speaks to Elijah, and God tells him in in chapter 18, verse 1, He says, after a long time, in, in the third year of that drought, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. And he says this, he says, go and present yourself to Ahab. Ahab. Can you say boo? Elijah, can you say yay? Okay. Ahab is the bad guy. Elijah is the good guy. So 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 God sends Elijah to Ahab, and he tells Ahab, and he's supposed to tell Ahab, I will send rain on the land. Now, this is good news after a long time of drought, unless you're experiencing the kind of rain we're experiencing right now, and you kind of feel like, well, I'm ready for a rest and a little bit more rain later, okay? So he says, I will send rain on um, on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Now, for some of us, we read that and we think, okay, he's going to go to Ahab. Hmm. Ahab. What would it be like to go to Ahab? What would be yeah, what would it be like to go present yourself to this one uh one guy by yourself? You yourself? You're going to go to Ahab. Let me tell you a little bit about Ahab, okay? And uh, if you look in for Kings, Kings chapter 16, the Bible says, In the 39th year of Asa, king of Judah, Asa was the king just before Jehoshaphat, if I remember correctly. So it's around the same time frame. This is actually probably in the uh, early, basically it's around somewhere between 870 B.C. and around... Uh, 850 BC. The exact, actual, the exact time frame is kind of hard to know sometime, uh, in ancient history. But this is roughly 850 to 870 years before the time of Jesus. So he goes there, or excuse me, this is Ahab. Ahab, son of Omri, became king of Israel and he reigned in Samaria over Israel 22 years. 22 years. Ahab, son, son of Omri, Did more evil. You hear that? Did he do just a little bit of evil? He did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those who came before him. You get this? Ahab was a wicked, evil, evil, wicked man. You know what happens? When a person has great authority and power, no accountability, and they are incredibly evil and wicked. The Bible tells us that Ahab, son of Amri, he did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebe, who set up idol worship in Israel. But he also married Jezebel. Anybody heard of Jezebel before? Can you say boo? Boo. boo. Yeah. Big time boo. Uh, he married Jezebel, daughter of Ethbel, king of the Sidonians, and began to serve Baal and worship him. Now, Baal was this... Actually, there were a lot of Baals. Okay? Baal means Lord. Okay? Uh, and there were a number of Canaanite gods that were called Baal. Okay? And so, he set up, uh, the Bible tells us that he actually set up a temple for Baal in Samaria. And he built an altar. And he also set up an Asherah pole. Asherah was considered to be the female consort of Baal. And, and, um, and Ahab also, and he goes on to say this, it says, he did more to arouse the anger of the Lord God, the Lord God of Israel then did all the kings of Israel before him. So do you get the idea? Ahab is wicked and evil. You don't want to face wickedness and evil that has great power. God sends Elijah. Why? Because Elijah is bold. And Elijah is godly. He sends Elijah. At the time there was a great famine. Uh, Ahab, one of his, his palace administrators, a guy named Obadiah, not Obadiah the prophet. There were a lot of Obadiahs back then. Uh, but this man, he was Obadiah. Uh, he was a palace administrator. He was a godly man. He feared the Lord according to the scriptures. He actually had, hid some of the prophets of, of the Lord in caves, uh, to keep them, to protect them from Jezebel, because Jezebel was systematically, uh, killing all the prophets of the Lord in uh, the Northern Kingdom of Israel, and so um, uh, so Ahab had sent Obadiah out, and both of them are out looking for grass. They're looking for food for their their horses and their mules because of the terrible drought that was going on. And so Obadiah is walking along. The Bible tells us, and Elijah comes up and he meets him. And Obadiah sees Elijah, and he says, uh, "And it, the Bible says he fell to the ground on his face before Elijah." And he says, "He says, Lord." Just a term of respect. But Lord, is that you, Elijah? And Elijah says it is. And Elijah tells Obadiah, I want you to go to Ahab. And I want you to tell him, I have come here to speak with him. Go get him and bring him to me. Obadiah is like, you've got to be kidding me. This is what's going to happen, Elijah. I'm not stupid. I'm going to go get Ahab, bring him back here, and the Lord's going to, He's going to take you away somewhere to protect you. I'm going to die, and so Elijah tells Obadiah, he says, "Surely uh, I'm going to be here, uh, and I am going to meet with, um, I'm going to meet with Ahab." So the so in verse 18, the Bible says, and when uh, Elijah, uh, actually I think it's in verse 17, is, is Ahab comes, you know, Obadiah brings him to Elijah. And what, what Ahab does is he says, is that you, Elijah, you troublemaker of all of Israel? By the way, if you follow Jesus graciously, We don't want to follow Jesus arrogantly. We don't want to follow Jesus abrasively. But even when we follow Jesus gently, humbly, and kindly, there will be times, because of what we believe is in conflict with what the world believes, that people will see us as haters. Even when we're approaching people with the love of Jesus. This has happened for centuries. It's happened for millennia. Okay? Uh, you know, Joe Elliot, killed, uh, killed by headhunters when he was going to take the gospel to them. Uh, it's often, it's not uncommon for people to be hated for the name of Christ. It's just not in, in the early part of the Roman Empire, right after the time of Jesus, Christians were killed for being atheists, because they didn't believe in the gods of the pagans, and they were also killed because they, the, the Romans thought they were, were, uh, they were cannibals. They were, you know, uh, you know, "This bread is my flesh given to you, you know the Lord's Supper. You eat the bread, the flesh of Jesus, you drink the cup, the blood of Jesus. And they believed that they were literally eating human flesh and drinking blood. Uh, that, that, sometimes as a Christian, you, you're going to be maligned. But make sure if you're ever maligned, you're maligned for doing what is good and not doing what is stupid or doing what is unkind. Okay? Or disrespectful. Because that's not being despised in the name of Jesus. That's just being, you know, a clod. Okay? Elijah comes. Ahab calls him, a troubler of Israel. Ahab or Elijah says, he says, oh, he says, Ahab, I'm not the one who's making trouble for Israel. You are. You're the troublemaker. And 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 so, he says, um, Elijah says this. He says, he says, you're the troublemaker because you have abandoned the Lord's commands and you have followed the way of the Baals. And so, Elijah says, I want you to go get all the people of Israel, bring them here to Mount Carmel, and and, and bring the 450 prophets of Baal. Now, we got how many prophets of the Lord here? One. Elijah. Bring 450 prophets of Baal that are fed by Jezebel, and while you're at it, bring the 400 prophets of Asherah. He's outnumbered 850 to 1. Those are not good odds, okay? I'm not a gambling man. I don't really go to Vegas unless I'm changing planes. But you don't want to bet on something that's, it's you know, it's a long shot of 850 to 1. It's just not, It's you're giving your money away. By the way, if you're buying lottery tickets, it's even worse than that. So he's outnumbered 850 to 1. Ahab agrees. He goes, gets them. And and they meet there at Mount Carmel. By, By the way, it was considered a holy place. For the worship of Baal. it's a, it's a worship place for uh, uh, for Bell. So it's kind of like home field advantage in a in a ball game. It's it's kind of like that, you know. He's going to Bell's uh, stadium, you know. And so what the what the Bible tells us is is that they gather all these people together. And and this is what Elijah says to the people. He says, how long will you waver between two opinions? How long will you waver? How long will you waver? If the Lord is God, follow Him. But if Baal is God, follow Him. How long are you going to waver between two opinions? Uh, Is it sometimes, sometimes as Christians... Well, I'm just going to say this. I don't don't know how to say this well, so I heard someone else say this one time, and it really makes sense, is that some Christians have too much of the world in them. Some Christians have too much of the world in them to be joyful in Jesus. But they have too much Jesus in them to be joyful in the world. You get that? They're just not happy. Why? Well, because they have Jesus in them, they really can't be happy in the world. But because they have the world in them, they can't really be happy in Jesus. What they're doing is they're trying to hold hands with Jesus and the world at the same time. And it just doesn't work well. Jesus alludes to this when He says, you cannot serve. Remember how I said the word serve? Sometimes means worship. You cannot serve God and what? Money. You have to make up your mind. You're going to serve and worship God, or are you going to serve and worship money? You can't do both. Just ask your wife. Hey, wife, is it okay if I have a girlfriend on the side? How's that going to go over? Not very well. Not very well. doesn't go over well with God either. How long will you waver between two opinions? Then he says this. If, if Baal is God, worship Him. But if the Lord is God, worship Him. And you know what the Bible says? The people remain silent. They remain silent. Because they knew they were caught. Because they're trying to bring these two things together, and you can't bring them together. So Elijah says, I've got a really good idea. We're going to do this. The prophets of Baal, they're going to build an altar. They're going to put some wood on the altar. They're going to take a bull. And they're going to chop that bull up. And they're going to put that bull on top of the wood. And they're going to cry out to Baal to send fire from heaven to consume the sacrifice. Now, that, that's significant. That's important. Because you know who the God is that sends fire from heaven? Baal. Baal is the God, according to the Phoenicians, according to the Sidonians, according to the Canaanites, he is the storm God. He is the God who sends rain. By the way, they haven't had rain for three years. He's the God who sends fire from heaven. He says, you do that, then I'll build, me by myself, we'll build a temple, or excuse me, a uh, an altar for the Lord. I'll put some wood on it. I'll put my bowl on it. I'll call down for for, uh, fire from heaven. And he says, the God who answers with fire. The God who answers with fire is the one true God. And the people are like, okay, this sounds like a good idea. So, uh, you know, Elijah says, you know, you guys are many. I'm here all by myself. You go first they build the altar they put the wood on it they put the 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 bull on it and, and the bible says they prayed from morning early morning until midday guess what happened nothing they danced around the altar guess what happened and and so i i love elijah i do i do i do i oh my goodness uh, I would love to see him as a stand-up comic, okay? He says this. He, he's, Elijah's like, he began to taunt them. Shout louder. Yeah, I'm assuming right now they've been shouting for like three hours. They're losing their voices. Oh, maybe you guys should shout a little louder, all right? Shout louder. Maybe uh, he said, surely he, Baal, is a god. Perhaps he's deep in thought. Out to lunch. Or busy. Um. I don't know. I'm not a Hebrew scholar. But my understanding is that this word busy is a euphemism uh, for he's in the bathroom. Okay? Maybe he's deep in thought. Maybe he's busy. Or maybe he's traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened so the scripture says about these prophets of Baal that they shouted louder, louder, louder. They, they slashed themselves, slashed themselves with swords and spears as was a part of their custom. It says until the blood ran, until the blood flowed. Uh, it, it, this is kind of a, a little bit becoming almost a gory scene. And they continued to uh, prophesy phonically. From the time, uh, all the way up until the time of the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. There was no fire. So Elijah says, okay, it's my turn. It's my turn. So Elijah, he builds the altar with 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel. He puts the wood on it. He uh, puts the bowl on it. He digs a little trench around it. And then he instructs the people to get four large pitchers to go down to get water, to bring it up uh, to the altar, and to, to pour it all over the bull, the wood, the stones. And then he told them to do it a second time. Then he told them to do it a third time. The sacrifice is completely drenched. The Bible says that even the trench was filled with water. And so uh, what, what Elijah does, this is in verse 36. This is where uh, the, the verse up here. Uh, at that time, uh, verse 36, at that time, uh, at the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed. And, and I want you to listen to the prayer of Elijah. Okay? There's no frantic dancing. There's no cutting. Don't you, aren't you glad we don't have to cut ourselves with swords and lances in our, our prayer and praise and worship of God? I am, okay? I'm glad I don't have to dance. You're probably glad I don't have to dance either, if you've ever seen me dance. Some of you guys, you're great dancers, I'm sure. But at the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward, prayed. He said, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Okay, he's calling God by his covenant name. He's saying, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Let it be known today that you are God in Israel. You are God in Israel. Not Baal. You are are God in Israel and that I am your servant and I have done all these things at your command answer me lord answer me so these people will know that you lord are God and that you are turning their hearts back again and after after Elijah prayed this This is what the Bible says, verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice and the wood. Okay? It burned up the sacrifice. It burned up the wood. It even burned up the stones and the soil. I mean, this is like a blast, all right? This is not like just a little fire. This is like supernatural fire. It burned up the stones, the soil, and also leaked up the water in the trench. And when the people saw this, they fell prostrate. You know what that means to fall prostrate? It means you're down on your face. They were on their faces before God. And they were crying out, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Let me summarize the finish of this real quickly, and then I want to talk to you about some principles here real fast. Uh, after this, they seized the prophets of Baal. Uh, Elijah says, don't let any of them get away. They put them to death, which was the law of Israel. For anyone who promoted idolatry and false worship, They it was considered a capital offense. Elijah told Ahab, go, eat, drink, for there is a sound of heavy rain. By the way, there's no rain when he's saying this. There's a sound of heavy rain. So Ahab, he goes away, eats drinks, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, put his face between his knees. Then he tells his servant, go look toward the sea. And when he went up and looked, and when the servant returned, he said, there's nothing here. Seven times Elijah told him to go back and look. Uh, On the seventh time, the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he says this, so Elijah, so Elijah said, go, tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot, go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose. A heavy rain started falling. And Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah. And tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Uh, the God who sends fire. And the God who sends rain is the one true God of Israel. Uh, I, I want to share with you some takeaways here and then a few thoughts about the kind of worship that honors and pleases God. All right, let me give you four quick, four quick takeaways. Number one, there's only one true God. There's only one true God. And he deserves all our worship. He deserves all of our worship. Every bit of it. A hundred percent. That he, meaning that he alone is God, and there is no other. By the way, this means get rid of all idols. Uh, it, that, that there is only one true God, and He deserves all of our worship. Number two, if we do not worship the Lord God, we will worship something else. You and I were made to worship. You were. Whether you think you do, whether you think you were made this way or not, that is irrelevant. You were. And the fact is, you will worship something. You will worship your career. You will worship money. You will worship power. You will worship uh, sexual pleasure. You will worship, uh, you will even worship your family. By the way... An idol isn't necessarily something that's made out of metal. It's not necessarily made out of stone or wood. An idol is anything that replaces God. In the affections that you were intended to give to God and God alone. If we do not worship the Lord God, we will worship something else. Number three, we must rid our lives of every false god as soon as possible. Number four, we must exalt and worship the Lord. We must exalt and worship the Lord God above all things. Above all things. Now, um, let's leave that slide up for a moment, Rich. You know, in the modern world, we don't really, um, most people I know anyway, don't worship things like a little stone image or a little wooden carved image or, uh, you know, uh, whatever. You know, most people don't do that. Most of our idols in modern life tend to be things that are more mental rather than metal. It is that, that we can time, in fact, in fact, sometimes we, we look and think, well, like an addiction. That could be an example of false worship. And I would agree, that can be. okay. Uh, but a lot of times, a lot of times, is what an idol is, is we take something that's even a good thing, and we make it the ultimate thing. So, for example, I mentioned a moment ago sexual pleasure. I believe sexual pleasure is a very, very good thing. We don't say this enough in churches. We need to say it more. People squirm when they hear talk about sexual pleasure in church. We really shouldn't. There's an entire book of the Bible that celebrates sexual pleasure. Did you know that? It's called the Song of Solomon. And and in Proverbs, it does the same thing. And it celebrates sexual pleasure in the context of a committed marriage. One man, one woman committed to each other, loving one another, respecting one another. And uh, and where uh, sexual pleasure is not something that you're taking from your spouse, but something that you're receiving and giving at the same moment. It's intended to be a wonderful thing. God created this as a good thing for us to enjoy, but when we take the pursuit of this outside of what God intends, and when we pursue it as though it's the ultimate thing, it becomes an idol. But you know, you, there are other things like, like, okay, uh, like, like, um, financial security. Sorry, Steve, I'm going to pick on your industry for a moment. Uh, financial security. My wife works for. That's what they do, okay? Um, financial security, I think, is a really good thing. I really do. I think that putting away money, saving prudently for the future, for retirement, that is a holy thing. But if we take that and make it the ultimate thing, then we take something that's good, that's not bad, and we make it an ultimate thing, we begin to worship it. We can even do this with our families. It is that when we make it the ultimate thing, God is the ultimate thing. It becomes an idol. So, idolatry wasn't just something that was a problem then; it is a problem now. And I don't know who the first person was that said this. I've heard uh, that it was uh, that Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King Jr., which this is tomorrow's the birthday thing, but the original Martin Luther who lived a long time ago. You know. The, you know, you know, I'm talking about the reformer. Uh, he's credited with saying this. John Calvin is credited with saying this. I've heard it credited to a few other people, but, but someone somewhere once said that the human heart is an idol-making factory, and I believe that's true. See, if we don't worship God, we will worship something, and we'll make an idol. By the way, I do this. I do this. I'm not saying that that this is something that they did way back then. I'm not saying that this is something that people outside, out there, not in the church do. I'm not saying this is something that you do. I'm saying this is something we do. This is something we do. This is something we it's not just something we did before we put our faith in Jesus. It's something we, we do today. It is so easy to let good things become the ultimate thing in our life. Like a box of Cocoa Krispies. Okay? Are my mom's Chocolate cake, it's awesome. You know, we 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 can make an idol out of almost any kind of thing. So let's talk about, and we're gonna skip that slide on the idol thing. Sorry, Rich. But let's move to so what does God want our worship to look like? And and what I want to do is I don't want to give you points here, I just want to give you two scriptures. The first scripture is Deuteronomy chapter six, verses four through five. Second scripture is Hebrews chapter eleven, twenty-eight through twenty-nine. And there's a lot of scripture on worship. By the way, it's really interesting if you look at the word worship. Almost as almost as many of those verses are about false worship of false gods as on worship of the one true God. It's really interesting. But these are a couple of verses I think kind of express for us about the kind of worship what what God wants our worship to look like. First of all, Deuteronomy six, chapter four says this: "Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one." This is in your notes, okay? Love. Love. What does worship look like? Love. It looks like love. Love the Lord your God with all, not a piece, not a piece, but with all your heart. And with all your soul. And with all your strength. What does worship look like? It looks like Loving God with everything we have, not just part of what we have, not just a little bit of what we have. I, I believe uh, that we're supposed to worship God with all of our time, with all of our finances, with all of our priorities, with all of everything. We're, to, we're supposed to love God. Uh, secondly, what does God want to worship To look like, secondly, this Hebrews chapter 11, verse 28, 29 says this. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom. Oh, this is really kind of cool. Hebrews 11, it's called the the Hall of Faith because it has all these examples of faith in it in Hebrews 11. And then towards the end of the chapter, uh, the author of Hebrews writes this. He says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. What is this kingdom that we're going to receive that cannot be shaken? The Bible tells us that one day there's going to be a wedding feast. A coming together of heaven and earth where God will restore all things and make all things good again. This is the kingdom we are waiting for. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. You want to know what worship looks like? It looks like just continually telling God over and over again, God, Thank you. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my kids. Thank you, God, that in Christ I am a new creation. That that the, 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 the old is gone, the new is come. Thank you, God, that in Christ there is no condemnation for me. Thank you, God, that in Christ nothing and no one can separate me from your love. I have so many things to be thankful for. I do, and you do too. What does worship that pleases God look like? Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably. By the way, there is an acceptable way to worship God and there are unacceptable ways. But this is what acceptable worship looks like. It looks like gratitude. It looks like saying thank you to God. And so worship God acceptably with reverence. With reverence. With a holy fear. Now, we usually think of fear in a really, really negative kind of way. We think of fear as a a dread of something. But there is a holy fear. There is a holy and healthy fear. A person who does not have a holy and healthy fear of a speeding train, okay? There used to be a time when I was a moron. There used to be a time when I was a moron. Well, foolish as a kid. And I can remember racing trains in my car. And in my boss's car. I can remember going through the little, you know, the little things, you know. I can get through there. I can make that. I can remember going around a line of cars and going through there and everybody shaking, shaking their fist at me. The guy driving the train shaking his fist at me. You know, there's a holy fear that keeps you from getting killed with a train. The train's not a bully. It's not mean. It's a train. You you, you, don't, you don't race trains with a car. You don't stand in front of a tidal wave and just kind of look at it casually. You run for cover. If you're climbing a tall mountain, I've shared this before, you cling to the side of the mountain. Why? Because if you don't cling to it and you fall, you're dead. Not because the mountain's a bully, but because the mountain's a mountain. You don't go to the Pacific Ocean and say, oh, I think I'll swim across it today. You you try to do that, you'll die in the the ocean. You won't even get out. I don't know. You might put them out, I don't know, two hours, something like that. But you're going to die. See, why? Because it's the Pacific Ocean. See, God is awesome. He is awesome. You ever go to the ocean and think, wow, man, that is awesome. You ever look at a mountain and say, wow, that is awesome. You ever look at the stars in the sky and say, that is awesome. God created every bit of it. spoken word. A hundred billion, trillion stars created just like that. Our God is that great, that awesome. We're supposed to come to Him with reverence and with awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Our God is a consuming fire. I have a homework assignment for you. Go home. Read Deuteronomy chapter 4. Read it three times. Read it slowly each time. Read Deuteronomy 4 three times. You'll understand what the writer of Hebrews is talking about. Then you go back, you read 1 Kings 18, read it three times. And our God is a God who brings fresh fire when we worship him as the great and awesome God that he is. Let me pray for us. God, you are great, you are awesome, you are good, you are faithful, you are holy, holy, holy. You are the Lord God Almighty. You are the one who created all things by your spoken word. There is nothing too difficult for you. You are the God who loves us outrageously, who sent your son Jesus on our behalf to suffer for us, to die for us, to be our atoning sacrifice so that our sins were washed away. God, you deserve all of our worship. Lord, I I I'm, want to be the first to confess I never I cannot it is impossible for me to give you all the worship you deserve. But help me, God, and help us every day to just grow in our worship of you so that so that we we declare your glory in a way that's honoring of you and so that we are shaped shaped by you as we worship you. I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen.
3: Well, just a quick reminder about our 40 days of purpose groups. There is a table at the back there that has sign ups. It is not too late to join. You can jump in anytime. There are also some daily read guides that Joy has uh, put together for us. Thank you, Joy. Um, so it'll guide you at which day you should be at if you want to catch up or just start from there everyone to plug into any of the groups that are there and start the year off with in this very special way. And right now we are also going to worship God with our giving, giving in that tangible way that we put God first in our lives. It's a way for us to say, God everything that I have comes from you and it's not for me to keep but for you to use. And I just want to honor you and worship you because Thank you so much for all that you, all of you that have faithfully been giving to us and helping us in our mission to make disciples. There are several different ways that you can worship through giving, and you can find them on our website, slash giving And at this time,
0: all right. Thank you, Elsa. Church, who breaks the power? Who breaks the
1: power of sin and darkness? His love is mighty and so much stronger. than King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole and with glory thunder, I'm breathless, in awe and wonder, the King of Glory, the King of my me And this is, this is amazing grace, this is unfailing love that You would take my place. My God, You laid down Your life that I would be set free. Set free. Oh, Jesus, for all that You've done for me. So grateful You were with us today, and thank you everyone for tuning in. We'll see you in a small group this week. Stay dry.